Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. All right, how's everybody doing? I'm so excited to be here again. We get to do this again, and uh, some people were kind of freaking out last week because I told them, I told a story about having six sisters. I have six sisters, and, uh, and it, it is crazy growing up surrounded by so many women, and one of the privileges that I had when I was in college was actually to work with one of my sisters, and um, my sister Lisa got me a job working at Marriott. And I remember the speeches that she would give me, like, you know, I got you this job. You know, she really wanted me to thank her for getting me the job, like, every single time that I, that I saw her. And uh, she likes to rub things in. And, um, and she's like, you know, if you get in trouble, it makes me look bad. And I'm like, all right, Sas, I know. Thank you so much. And, and then um, the job that I had was doing contracts in a timeshare, right? And uh, Saturdays were, like, our busiest day. And... They never had food for the employees, but for the guests that would come and spend like $30,000 on a one-week vacation, um, they had amazing spreads for them. And my sister worked in accounting, and so she was like the, the cop, you know, the food cop and the spending cop, and, and she wouldn't let any of the employees eat the food for the guests. But then they kept us like working so hard, like all day Saturday. We didn't even have time for lunch because lunch was one of our busiest times. And I was starving, and um, there was this closet where they kept all the food. And um, I'm like, man, the closet's right there, and I have like five contracts that I have to write, and the salespeople are going to drive me nuts. And the salespeople would say, just go to the closet. Don't go to lunch. Just go to the closet. And so I run into the closet, and I'm in a rush, and there's this delicious bagel, right? And I, I grab the bagel, and I grab a knife, and I start cutting the bagel, and all of a sudden, I feel something falling on my foot, and I look at my shoes, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Someone cut their finger with the bagel and there's blood all over the knife. And, and then all of a sudden my finger starts throbbing. And I, I look on the other side of the bagel and I had completely sliced my finger in half. And uh, I got like 12 stitches after that. But, but at the moment I, I start holding my hand and I say, God, you are the God of miracles. God, there's nothing impossible for you. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, heal my finger. Like, sew it together. If, if, if you parted the Red Sea, if, if you gave sight to the blind, if you resurrected Lazarus, I mean, it was a Pentecostal service inside of that closet. And I now have blood all over my hand. Uh, it was a, kind of like a long sleeve tie type of environment. And so now my white shirt is now pink and full of blood. And I'm like, how am I going to leave this place? I am now in the closet. And I'm like, Lord, okay, I understand you can't heal my finger, but, but can you just make time go back? I was 19 years old, and I was very naive, and, and, uh, and God didn't do what I asked him to do. Has God ever not done what you've asked him to do? Anybody? You pray a prayer, and time goes by, and, and you feel like, God, where are you? And that's what I started asking at that moment. God, where are you? I need you to come to my rescue. See, we do stuff like this all the time. And we cry out to God and we give him these specific instructions. This is exactly how I need you to come through for me. 
this is how I need my life to change. And we want God to do things our way. And the weeks go by and the months go by. And we're like, God, you're not listening to me. Why is God doing this in my life? And at no time do we look at God and we say, God, here's my problem. Here's my struggle. I give it to you. I offer it to you. Instead, we want God to work the way that we want God to work. Instead of saying, God, do your will in my life. Change this part of my life. Change my heart. And you see, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to learn what do we do in these desperate moments when we need a miracle. Has anybody ever needed a miracle? I, I know I have. Like right now, I can only see half of my iPad screen, and I'm praying for a miracle. John chapter 9, Jesus performs a miracle, and it says this, And now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Some of you may be thinking, like, like why are the disciples asking who sinned? Is the man or, 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 or did his parents sin? How could he have been born this way? How could he have sinned in the womb? And there was this thought at the time that if someone was born with a deformity, with an infirmity, either the parents sinned or, or the child did something when he was in the womb. There's probably, I, I've seen a couple of pregnant women here today. Yeah, this little sinner inside of me keeps, keeps kicking me all night. I have reflux. I remember my wife got this terrible reflux when she was pregnant with, with Stella. And everyone would say, oh, she's going to be born with a lot of hair. That was like, you know, if, if, if you have reflux, you're going to be born. And Stella was born practically bald. So we, could, we debunked that. And so the disciples see this blind man. And they're actually blinded themselves. They're blinded spiritually. Instead of looking at him and, and seeing someone in need of mercy, in need of love, they're looking at him and they're trying to have this theological debate as to why he is the way that he is. They didn't have compassion. They saw him as, as someone who had committed some type of sin or someone that was cursed. But this is what's amazing about Jesus. Jesus sees us in our weakest point. He sees us and in, in, in when no, everyone would look at us and say, look at him. Let's stay away from her. Let's, let's not be near him. And he says, this is an opportunity. Jesus is looking at you today. Maybe you're going through a struggle. Maybe there's a prayer that you've been praying for. And you've asked yourself, where is God in my moment of need? You see, Jesus always sees the person. Yeah, there may be a crowd, but in that crowd, he sees every single individual. And when you're wondering, does God notice me? Yes, he does. He is ready, willing, and able to meet all of your needs. And Jesus answered the disciples this way in verse 3. He said, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. See, that's a radically different answer than what they were hurt, used to hearing. And at the time when, when people would ask these, oh, no, it was the parents. And, and people would get into this theological debates as to why people were born this way. And Jesus said, it's neither that. This is so that God's glory can be displayed in its life. See, this is a whole new way of thinking. Many times we have this narrow way of thinking. It's like these two options that we have. If something's going wrong, we limit God to two options. It's either this or it's that. But could it be that God has something even bigger than what you're thinking? See, I believe that many times we're praying for something and we want God to answer us. 
Man, I know how many times I've prayed and I, I said, God, I, I need to know if I should go this way or I should go that way. And I keep praying and I get no answer. And could it be that God has something completely different in mind? You see, maybe you're here today and you're single and you're like, God, I need a man in my life, or I need a, a woman in my life, or God, I, I'm tired of being lonely. Can you bring someone to my life? And maybe what God really wants for your life right now is to, for you to go on the mission field, or for you to focus 100% on him and not be distracted by a relationship. Could it be that God has a third option for you? God, where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to move? Why can't I afford the situation that I'm in? And could it be that all the doors may be closing? Because God has something different, completely different for you. You see, one time the Pharisees came to Jesus. And they showed him a coin. And they asked him, should, should we, we give our, our, our money to Caesar? Should, should we give it to the church? Where, where should we put our money? And, and he says, whose face is on the coin? He said, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give God what belongs to God. See, he completely blew them away. They were not ready for the answer that he had for them. Some of you right now, you need an answer. You're like, God, what do I do now? God, I need an answer. We need to stop limiting God to what we want and, and the way that we think. And instead of doing that, we need to change the way that we think. You see, I believe that God, God's love for us and, and God's purpose for us sometimes is completely ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense in our human mind. But I know that, that for me, many times, it hasn't been what Mark wants. It's, it's what God wants. It hasn't been where I wanted to go or, or what I wanted to see or who I wanted to be around. But it's like, hey, you know what? This is my will for your life. You see, Jesus doesn't do miracles to show off his power. In that moment, Jesus was prepared for God to be glorified so that he can show and he can demonstrate his love and his compassion for this blind man. You see, why was this man sick? And Jesus says, so the work of God could be displayed in his life. The fourth, in chapter 4, in verse 4, it says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. The night is coming when no one can work. Have you guys ever been in an environment where, you know, there's work to be done and people are so busy talking, they're so distracted that the work isn't getting done? Anybody? Yeah, all the time. And so this man is in need of a miracle in his life. He's in need of having an encounter with God and the disciples are trying to have this debate, trying to figure out why he's healed instead of asking God, how can we meet his needs? God, how can you use us and Jesus says in verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He says, I'm ready to bring light into his life. I'm ready to change his situation. Jesus is saying, I have no time to waste. Man, is God telling you that right now? Have you been just coasting through life? Maybe you are unhappy with your situation right now. You're unhappy with the way that things are going in life. And could it be that God is trying to get your attention? Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart and you don't hear him because you are distracted. Or maybe you're waiting to go this way or that way. And Jesus is saying, you just need to turn completely around and go the other way. In verse 6, it says, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go Wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed 
and came back. See, this man had a problem. This man had been blind. He had never seen the light of day. And now he's having a face-to-face encounter with the light of the world. You see, what stands out to me when I read this story is the method that Jesus healed him. Couldn't Jesus have just said, you're healed, and bam, and he would have been healed? Absolutely. But instead, he spits on the ground, and he makes mud, and he puts it on his eyes. I don't know about you, but that's kind of gross, all right? That sounds like something that my son Joshi or Caleb would do. That sounds like something that they would probably do to their little sister, all right? Jesus, that's kind of gross, And then he makes this gross sound. I mean, my boys, whenever my boys spit, my wife is like, don't spit. Why are you spitting? We actually stayed in a hotel a couple weeks ago. And the first thing my boys did was run to the balcony and spit down. And she's like, are you guys spitting? I think, do you sound like that, baby? All right. Let me give you a little history lesson. In the days of Jesus, if you had an infirmity, if you were blind, if you were lame, The only job that you could have was to beg. Everyone looked down at you. People made fun of you. People pushed you around. You weren't even a second-class citizen. I mean, you were forgotten. You know, many times, like when we're at a red light and a homeless person probably comes begging for food and, and we're in the privacy of our SUVs with our AC on, jamming to some music, and we pretend that they're not even there, worse than that. You see, the sound of someone preparing to... Spit a gargi. Does anybody know what a gargi is? That's what us Cubans call it. Un gargajo, right? A, to spit. Like a loogie. That wasn't a sound that he was unfamiliar with. I'm sure that many times people spit on him and people cursed him and, and people made fun of him. And Jesus makes the same sound. And I could just imagine he's just like everyone else. And then Jesus spits on the ground. Maybe the same sound that he's heard maybe with a Roman centurion going by and just spitting on him and and probably splashing him with his horse or his chariot as they went by. And Jesus makes that sound. He makes some mud. He plays with the mud. And he puts it on his face. And why would you think that Jesus would do that? Why did he do this? The first point that I want to share with you is if We want Jesus to work in our life. We must submit to his authority. Sometimes we don't understand what Jesus wants. We don't know why he's asking us to do what he's asking us to do. But we're called to submit to his authority. Jesus wants to use our life to do something ridiculous. And sometimes what he asks us to do may sound ridiculous. But I promise you, if you submit to his authority, you will see that your life will begin to change. And then your life will begin to impact the world around you. You will see the light and people will see the light through you. James 4, 7 says this, submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourself therefore to God. We want God to work in our life, but we want God to do it our way. We're like the Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Tell me why. See, my kids do this all the time. Why? But why? We want to see results, but we're not willing to submit to the authority of God. It was like when I was trying to build this Ikea shelf, right? And and has anybody ever built an Ikea piece? It's like a million pieces, right? And so what I did is I got all the pieces and I spread them all over the floor and I opened the bags and all the little screws and little pegs and all that stuff all over the floor. 
and I'm trying to make sense of all of this. And after about an hour, I tell my wife, this is broken. It's missing a piece. They must have not given us everything that we need. And she goes, Mark, just call David. Those of you that do not know, David's my brother-in-law. He's one of the handiest people that I know. And I'm, I am not calling David. This is defective. I'm like, you know what? But I'm going to keep trying. And about 30 minutes later, I'm still working on this Ikea shelf. And she walks in and says, uh, babe, I called David. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Just call David. And he's just going to tell you that the thing is messed up. And so David shows up. And, and I'm like, bro, this is defective. And, and he's like, it, it can't, it, 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 you know, where are the instructions? And I'm like, instructions? I don't need instructions. I don't know. He's like, bro, where are the instructions? I'm like, I don't need, we don't need instructions. Look, I'm telling you, it's defective. And he's like, hey, can I just see the instructions? I'm like, bro, if you want the instructions, they're outside in the garbage with the boxes. So David goes, gets the instructions, and I'm like, bro, you take care of this. I'm out. And I walk away. And like 15 minutes later, the shelf is built. All right? What can I say? I'm a little rebellious sometimes. But you know what? That's how we are with God. Our life is a mess. Things don't seem to fit in our life. And the instructions are right there. And what do we say? We don't need the instructions. We don't need the Bible. We don't need to go to church. We don't need to serve. We're going to do things our way. And then that's why so many times we feel like everything is falling apart. See, Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on his face. Okay, so now this isn't like mud that you made with like filtered water or something or, or ocean water. This is saliva. This mud probably smelled like sardines. Okay, because... They had a lot of fish. Jesus was a fisherman, right? And uh, he puts it on the guy's face. And then he tells a blind man to do this. Verse 8, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed. Jesus just told the blind man to go walk to a pool. A blind man with saliva mud on his face. Let me tell you something. Back in the days, in the days of Jesus, the pools were like the Starbucks of the day. That's where everyone hung out. They got water. They cleaned themselves. They probably swam, you know. And so there's a bunch of people. And I could just imagine this man walking to the pool and people bumping into him. People telling him, you're cursed. People making fun of him. People saying, you got mud on your face, dude. He probably thought a couple times, I probably should just clean my face. Why am I doing this? He spit on me. They're mocking me. And yet he continued to go. What would have gone through your mind? In your moment of weakness... In your moment when you feel, man, like all hope is lost and Jesus is asking you to do something that may sound ridiculous. Would you listen? Do we listen? I know I'm guilty of not listening all the time. But you know what? He obeyed Jesus. See, this is where the miracles always start. You see, up until that point, everything that had happened was not miraculous. He had a conversation with Jesus. Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud, puts it on his face. And tells him to go walk to a pool and wash. Nothing, I could have told, I could tell all of you that. I, if anybody wants me to spit on the floor and put mud on your face, I can do that. I can't heal you, but I can do that. Every single thing that he did was ordinary. Why did Jesus do it this way? Well, because he's Jesus. You know, think about all the miracles in the Bible, like parting the Red Sea. Every single step leading up to that, very ordinary. Grab the staff, the staff that you used as a shepherd, the staff that you probably used to like hit some type of wild animal that was trying to kill your, your sheep, very ordinary. And yet when Moses obeyed and stretched his arm over the Red Sea, what happened? The seas parted. 
very ordinary. God may be asking you to do something very ordinary, something that you may seem and think that is so simple. When Jesus told the disciples to feed the 5,000, he gets the loaves, the fishes, they break it up into pieces. It's only the miracle happens when the disciples obey and begin to pass out the food. Jesus says, fill these pots with water. Any of us in this room can fill pots with water, but only Jesus can turn water into wine. Whatever situation that you're in right now, God may be asking you to do something. And it may seem ridiculous. It may seem there's no way that God's going to fix my life, fix my marriage if I just start reading my Bible. Like, like how is that going to change my life? There's no way that God can change my situation in my home if I just start going to church and, and, I, and I start serving and I, I start going on an outreach and I just start living for him. How is that going to change my life? I did a wedding a couple weeks ago, and I say this at every single wedding. It's not the prettiest thing that I say at a wedding. And I say, people think that it is the pastor or the priest that brings God's blessing into a marriage. But it isn't. It is obedience that brings God's blessing into a marriage. It's not how pretty the church is. It's not the environment. It's not the people that are there. It's how you obey God. If you want Jesus to work in your life, you need to obey him. Proverbs 13 says this, if you reject God's instructions, you will pay the price. If you obey his commands, you will, re you will be rewarded. What is God asking of you today? His promises are, if we obey him, we will be rewarded. The other day, I was taking my daughter to the grocery store. Every once in a while, I'll just grab one of the kids and I'm like, hey, come with me. And you know what happens? As soon as I tell one of the kids, hey, come with me, they're like, I want to go. I want to go. And they're grabbing their shoes and they're grabbing their stuff and they're trying to run out. And I'm like, no, I just want to go to the store with Stella. And they're like, why? I, I don't get it. And then a couple days later, I grab Joshy and I'm like, hey, Joshy, let's go. And then Stella and Caleb are like, but Bobby, we want to go too. And I'm like, nah, you know, I just want to take, I just want to take Joshy this time and And then the next time I, I tell Caleb, Caleb, come with me. And every single time, and they probably still don't get it. They don't understand. But one day they're going to look back and say, hey, you know what? I cherish those moments that I spend with my dad, the conversations that I had with my dad. Yeah, it wasn't always the funnest thing. We were, he made me carry like two boxes of water into the house after. But they will cherish those moments, those conversations when I tease my boys and Caleb hates when I say, so Caleb, how many girls like you in school? He's like, Bobby, stop, stop, stop. But one day he'll tell his wife, you know, my dad used to always bother me. And he would always ask me, how many girls like me in school? And Caleb's looking at me, giving me a dirty look in the back of the room. See, there are things in life that don't make sense right now. There are going to be moments in your life when what God wants you to do doesn't make sense. But God's word does not return void. There may be things that God's asking you to do right now. There may be a situation that you're in and what God, what you know that God wants you to do to you, it makes no sense. But I am asking you, I am begging you to trust him, to have faith in him. You see, I said that what stood out to me the most was that the way that Jesus had healed him. You see, Jesus healed many blind people. And I'm sure more than are even recorded in the scriptures. And in Mark chapter 10 Jesus heals a blind man by just speaking to the man. In Matthew 20, Jesus touches a man's eyes. In Mark 8, Jesus touches a man's eyes twice. See, Jesus is creative. 
And sometimes we want God to work in our life the same way that he works in someone else's life. Oh, yeah, but when they were hurting or when they were in need, God provided this way. Why is God providing for me in a different way? We need to learn to trust God. Maybe today you're, you're sick. Maybe, maybe today you're struggling with an addiction or you're struggling financially or maybe your marriage is falling apart. You heard me talk about my kids and how I like to spend time with my kids individually sometimes and sometimes it's all of us. There's times I'll, I'll take them to my office and they're going crazy and they're driving me nuts and I'm trying to work. I'm trying to work on, on stuff for the church and, and, and I can't think straight but then I hear them laugh and, and they're with me and they see me working and serving God and and I'm like, I know that one day God is going to reward me for this. <laughs> but, you know, I was having lunch with a man a couple of weeks ago. And um, I was telling him about my kids and about the stuff that I do with my kids. And I was just having a conversation. I don't even think it was like that deep what I was telling him. And he goes, man, you're such a great dad. And I'm like, ah, you know, I try, but sometimes I'm not so great. And he's like, yeah, you're great. But, you know, like, it's too late for me. My kids are already old. You already have all these, these bad habits. And, and I looked at him and I said, man, maybe it's too late for you, but it's never too late for God. And I believe that if you start to align your life with what God wants, that God will give you opportunities to restore the relationship with your children, with your wife, with your family, if you just trust God. Let's not be like the disciples that we see the problem and we focus on the problem. Let's change the way that we think, the way that we act and say, when we see a problem and say, Jesus, help me to see things the way that you see them. Man, it's so difficult. There are moments in my life when, when that is my prayer, when I, I may feel stuck or I may feel like I'm struggling and, and I ask God to forgive me because so many times we focus on the problem. We focus on the situation and we forget how awesome and how big and how great our God is. You see, if we want to see the ridiculous love of God and experience that in our life, and the reason I say ridiculous is because what God wants to do in your life, many times we can't explain it. The peace that God can give you in the craziest moments of life, the Bible says that it doesn't make sense. The way that God, we don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve it. And it is only through Jesus that we can understand and receive the love of God. That's why he wants to have a relationship with us. That's why he wants to bring joy into your life. That's why he wants to restore your relationship with your children doesn't make sense and some of you yeah but all hope is lost hope is not lost God loves you and he wants to fill you with his love but the problem is that just like the blind man if we focus on our problem we're going to be blinded by our problem if we focus on the situation that's strangling us that's keeping us from achieving the goals that we have in life we're not going to see the light and Jesus said that the time has come for him to do the work of the Father. The time has come. He is the light of the world. He wants to bring life and light into your life, your darkest moment. Do not let your problems blind you. See, if you want Jesus to continue to work in your life, you need to live for him. Stop living for yourself. Stop living for your selfish ambition. And say, God, I know that 
the best thing in my life would be to trust you, would be for me to live for you, for me to give my entire life to you. Luke 9, 23 says this, and then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. I love that he says daily. You see, being a Christian is more than us gathering together in this room. It's the moment that we walk out of here. How are we living our life? Jesus told us that people will know that you are my followers. How? By the way that you love each other. By the way that you treat each other. People are looking at the way that we live. And so if anyone desires to come after, let's deny ourselves and let's live for him daily. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and himself is destroyed or lost? What profit is it to you? If at the end of the day, you can look back and you can say, look at all these things that I've accomplished. Look at all these trophies and goals that I've achieved. And yet you yourself are lost. You yourself are destroyed. And then this verse 26 says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his father's and of the holy angels. See, at the end of this chapter, Jesus kind of gives us the entire view. He says, don't be blind. He says, don't focus on your problem. I want to give you life. Living life apart from me is loss. Living life without me is a complete, complete tragedy. I want to give you life. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. I want you to close your eyes. And I know for some of you right now, you're probably thinking of that problem. Like, what is it that's holding you back? Maybe it's something. Maybe it's a place that you go to. Maybe it's a place you find yourself today. Maybe it's a relationship that's keeping you from having and living for God. Do not let your problems blind you. Do not let your problems rob you of the life that God wants to give you, the abundant life. The joyous life that only could come from him. And so in a moment, Tanya is going to lead us in a song. And I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you want to say, God, I, I want to draw closer to you. I don't want to let my problems blind me or strangle me or keep me from the life that you want me to live. Could it be that God has something way more than what you're doing right now? Could it be that the plans that God has for you are way bigger than anything that you could ever imagine? Well, let me tell you something. They are. The Bible teaches us that the plans that God has for us are way bigger than anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine. That is the God whom you serve. That is the God that is ready, willing, and able to bring hope and life into your life. And so as Tanya sings... I'm going to invite you to come up and I want to pray for you and I want to help you reach that goal. If you let me, we will walk side by side with you as your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we will help you find the joy that you could only find in Jesus. 
Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the Word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.